Welcome to this episode of the God's Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kelly. On this podcast, we talk with interesting people who understand that true justice arises out of personal transformation and that broken souls and communities experience transformation through redemptive personal relationships with God's people. We hope these conversations will help you understand how you can join God in His revolutionary work of restoring justice to our broken world. In this episode, we're talking with Russell and Megan Marshall, a young couple who heard God's call to leave good jobs and a comfortable house in the suburbs to develop redemptive relationships with residents of an ethnically and economically diverse apartment complex in a transitional area of their city. Russell and Megan walk us through the challenges and blessings they've encountered as they have done what all believers are called to do, listen to God's call and follow Him in obedience to love our neighbors and make disciples of Jesus wherever we live, work, and play. We're talking with Russell and Megan in the living room of the apartment where they have lived this past year and where their new family of believers gathers for worship and fellowship. Russell and Megan, welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. Thank you. Yeah, us too. Well, tell us about your mission with Dwell and how you heard God calling you into this. Um, yeah, so I guess it goes back to just before Megan and I were about to get married. Um, we uh, Approaching marriage, I think we were pretty serious just about uh, where, we, where we wanted to lead our marriage. Um, and we knew that we wanted to live. Uh, just in radical obedience to to God, and so uh, with that, we've we've both felt the call to ministry on our life. Uh, uh, the the more the longer I follow Jesus, the more I feel like we're actually all called um, to ministry. Uh, I I think there's been kind of a divide, maybe for a little while, where we separate, you know, the called and the uncalled. But um, just before we got married, um, we were getting married in April, and, and in February, uh, one of my best friends passed away from a drug overdose, mm-hmm. um, and so that was a pretty pivotal moment for us. Uh, I think that we, you know, we were already pursuing God and trying to say, what is it that you want us to do? And so this moment kind of, uh, kind of launched us into the idea of, of urgency and that that's yeah. not the idea but God just began to instill in us a sense of urgency for the fullness of life that comes from the gospel um, the the freedom that comes from following Jesus and so um, I don't know that we were living our life with that urgency the the way that I had been doing ministry in my life was uh, in my workplace and just through my friendships uh, my my circle of friends were not typically the people that you would see in church on Sunday and so, uh, as we would do life together and, and we would walk with each other through the good and the bad, uh, God would allow opportunities for me to share, share his truth, uh, and, and speak into those people's lives. And it wasn't necessarily happening all the time and at a super fast pace. And so, um, with, with a loss of my friend, I thought, how can I put myself in spaces where we can be doing life with people side by side every single day and and be sharing with them about who Jesus is and what it means to truly follow uh, his teachings and so um, Megan and I both began to pray about this and and we felt like uh, an apartment complex just made sense for us and so uh, we grew up in in Dallas Georgia which was uh, suburbia really um, but we we liked the idea of being somewhere that was a little bit more diverse uh, socioeconomically um, and ethnically. And yeah. so uh, ultimately we felt like God was calling us to, to Franklin Road. Yeah, and I'd say that that whole year, our first year of marriage, it was an entire year of asking God, what are we supposed to be doing? Um, and that was, a, that was a huge year for us because... Um, One of the things uh, our sending church, Stonebridge, talks about a lot, this lingo of, are you doing your deal? What is your deal? And so we see that in scripture, right? That we, that God's given us each good works. Um, And he's made that unique to each of us. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that was something we started asking ourselves. 
And I think before we thought maybe that would be separate in marriage. I thought like, okay, that's your ministry, here's mine. Um, at this point, I've been doing nonprofit, mostly focused on uh, no to low income families. That was kind of where I was focused. Um, and we just thought, oh, we'll kind of do that separate. Um, and then God started working on our hearts when we started asking this question. We just asked God in, in our time, in our personal time with him, what would you have us do? Like, what's our deal? Yes, you have called each of us to share in the gospel and to um, make disciples that make disciples, but what does that look like for us? How does that play out? Um, and so at the time we were working jobs and, you know, married and living in a house and that's when God started working in our heart. He used, you know, books and people and all sorts mm -hmm. of things. But um, the apartment complex idea just can't, it was kind of born out of relational ministry, incarnational ministry, right? That people mm -hmm. say that like we would be going as we live. They were always on mission. Mm -hmm. And what if we really took seriously what Jesus said about loving our neighbors? And what's funny is even at the time, we weren't necessarily doing that in our home. We didn't even, we knew like one of our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so God started, it was almost like a, like a veil off of our eyes. Like, oh my gosh, like this is what God would have us do. And that, and that's when it became, it slowly turned into the apartment uh, thing. I should say originally, it was just, what do we do? I mean, we were asked, I mean, we were seeking God. We were saying, do we move? Do we, it, it was just kind of a season of what's next. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, various things happened that led us to saying, move into an apartment complex. There's an awesome ministry called Apartment Life. Um, we kind of got exposed to that and thought, that's cool. And um, again, God just kept forming that vision for us and said, just do it. Just move into an apartment. A car, apartment complex and, and the big thing on our heart too was to plan a church in an apartment complex mm -hmm. you know Russell's story about his friends that would never have stepped inside of a church that's you know that's Russell's heart mm -hmm. and so I mean for a lot of people they will never don the doors of a church mm -hmm. and so how do we make it accessible <clears throat> for people because we want them to know the gospel and that not to be a barrier for them mm -hmm. and so yeah it was kind of born out of all of that stuff going on yeah um, uh, a cool part of the transition was, uh, so it's not like just all of a sudden we packed our bags and we moved into an apartment complex, right? It, it always happens slower than that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, you know, once we feel like God's calling us to live intentionally and to live with urgency, um, you know, we start reading these books about, uh, about doing that, right? And so, uh, I was managing a coffee shop. I had worked for the Daily Grind for... Uh, about seven years. seven years at that point, and so, um, and I and I have been doing ministry there, right? Like these, there was a lot of young people that worked for me, and so I would uh, love on them and disciple them. I mean, my job was, my goal really was for them to leave and for the rest of their life always look back and go like Russell was the best boss I ever had, right? Like <laughs> I mean, I I hope that that's every boss's goal. Uh, I doubt it, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I felt like the Lord was saying that I could be more intentional, right? And so, uh, so from that point, we we had started a Bible study with within uh, within my workplace, right? So, I, you know, we would have these kids come over to our house. I mean, there'd be like twenty kids hanging out in our house, and we would just be reading the Bible and trying to teach them how, not not just how to read the Word, but how to be doers of the Word. Um, many of them were already believers, kind of because of. Um, just the community we were in, many of them had sort of grown up in the church, and I think it was a pivotal place for them, you know, they, that, that, like, leaving high school, going into college is really where a lot of people start to walk away from their faith, and so I felt like I was able to walk with them in a season where, where they weren't sure what they were going to do with their faith, and, and try and help nudge them towards, like, living faithfully for the Lord, and so, that was awesome, and I think yes. that it was a great practice round. I felt like yes. God was saying, like, exactly. this is good, and this is where I want you right now, but I'm calling you into the next place where maybe they're not kids that grew up in church, right? Maybe they don't have that kind of foundation laid. It's going to be a little bit messier. And, yeah, yeah, and we were able to kind of form even some some mantras there. Again, none of these were our original ideas, right? Like they all go back to the Bible and then all these other people. We were reading a book called Family on Mission, Mike Breen. Mm -hmm. We were reading Saturate, Jeff Vanderstelt. These these people who were doing it, we were gleaning so much from. But we really developed some mantras there too, you know, in that time with the 
with the Daily Grind, we learned we can each hear from the Word. And we are all filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was, I mean, we know that, right? But, like, we started to practice that in a, in a, in a group, in a circle, to say, you can hear from God just like I can. And that is monumental for us now here. That, um, and again, we see this in Scripture, like, we are all the priesthood, right? That believing that it's not just one special guy. Mm-hmm. It's not one special guy or girl, whoever. It's each of us. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and He can speak to us through the Word. And so all of these little, I mean, or how to open our home and not feel like it has to be perfect, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's not what hospitality is. It's opening it to strangers. Mm-hmm. And so all of these, it was a practice round. That's the perfect way to put it because... Mm-hmm. And, and we felt, at first we felt convicted because here we are learning all this stuff and thinking, we, we don't want to just talk about it and say, this is good stuff. Let's do it when we move in. Let's do it when we go to the apartment. But no, 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 we got to be doing it now. We've got to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the Bible just really, I think for me, in so many ways just kind of came alive because it was like, man, what if I really believe, what if we were really living it out? And so it was really cool to to not just practice, but to do it. But, yeah, it was kind of a good practice round because it was people who knew us and loved us. So It, it was comfortable. Yeah. It, it was a comfortable place to start it. And I would say that that's true for anybody that is starting to, to step into or feel that calling to, like, do ministry to serve and, you know, love their neighbor as well, right? Like, um, start where it's comfortable. I think that it's okay. I mean, you don't jump into the deep end. You know, it's like you, you kind of like you dip your toes in first. And so, yeah. you know, it's like find the place that you are in your tribe, right? Like the people that you feel the, the most comfortable around and they feel comfortable around you. And that's an easy place for people to get going. And then and then when or if God begins to call you into the harder places, um, I, you you feel better equipped to move into those spaces. And so yeah. um, and my temptation, don't just read about it. Right, but do it. it. Don't just say, this is really good stuff. Like, these guys out there are doing it. These people out there are really doing it. But say, how do I practice it right now? So that that was really monumental for us. So a lot of churches um, target apartment communities for outreach. Mm. Um, How does living among your people uh, change the dynamic of the relationship and the mission? It's a great question. This is something I'm I'm really passionate about. So um, I see this a lot too. Now that I've been it kind of in multiple just worlds, nonprofit, whatever. That um, kind of the us versus them. That's something we see a lot. So it's us and we're serving, and it's not necessarily a versus, but it's an us and them. Um, and so moving in reminds us all that we are equal, right? It's not just oh, it's this. Now it looks like we're, we are equal. <laughs> we are moving into an apartment complex. We are no different than you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we have different things in life. But, again, it's saying I, I'm not better, you know. And so it's it's a equalizer is kind of the way that I see it. But even more so, it's so much more access to our neighbors. Um, living in proximity geographically is really impactful. Mm-hmm. Um when I live really close to someone, especially if someone say, say, you know, if you don't have a car or whatever it might be, like there's no more barriers to me not seeing you or time. I don't know if I can cut the 30 minutes to drive out to you. Cause sometimes it takes even around here, it could take, you know, you're right next door. And then, so another reason I see it is really helpful is because uh, touch points just happen naturally. So I'm walking down my stairs to my car and my neighbor's walking up the stairs to their house, to their apartment. Mm -hmm. And I see them and I'm close to them because we live next door. And that might have not happened if, you know, if I wasn't close to them geographically. And so here's a moment now, instead of continuing to run to my car and run to work or whatever, but to stop and to engage with my neighbor just because they live they live next to me. And so that I mean that's why we picked apartment complexes. I think the other significant part of it is because communities similar to ours, people are naturally out and find gathering spaces. This is something I see in different cultures, honestly, that some cultures are just better at being together. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, maybe not as many fences, and it's just kind of, we're all out, you know, some people are at the playground, and some are walking, and um, so I think that's another part of it that just happens naturally, which is so awesome, because we don't have to put as much effort in, because they're just right there. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Uh, Ditto. Um, (laughs) She, uh, you know, she said a lot of it, but uh, I, I would say that I love um, it, you know, it's the little things. I mean, for apartment in particular, um, I mean, whenever we have people coming over, it's like the easiest excuse for me to go and knock on my downstairs, my downstairs neighbor's door is just to say, Hey, I got some people coming over. They might make some noise, you know, and I'm sorry about that, but here's some cookies, right? Like if you can <laughs> live with it. So it's like, it, it even allows those little moments. There's so many excuses. There's so many, there's so many good reasons to be able to uh, to connect and and it's not you know I'm not saying this with any sort of like ulterior motive I'm saying it with like we desire for organic yeah. moments to happen and 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 part of that's because of this is the way that God wired me and the way that I know that there's a ton of people that are listening to this feel is that like I don't think that I was wired to be a, a street preacher right I wasn't wired to be a person who goes and knocks on doors and says like hey, do you know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Like, that's not the way that I'm wired. I am wired to build relationships with people and through relationship sharing with them the truth of who Jesus is and how he can transform their life. And so whenever you live in a neighborhood, there are more organic moments, and those organic moments are the, the opportunities to share God's truth in a way that might not scare people away. I mean, they... They might be scared away from you, you know, preaching on a street corner. They might be scared away from you knocking on their door even um, if they don't know who you are. I mean, it's a beautiful thing when we do knock on doors to try and meet people. Because um, we do that too. And it is effective sometimes. Um, when we knock on doors, just sort of saying like, hey, I'm your neighbor. Right? Not like I'm a, a guy from a church that's, you know, around the corner. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I live right here. Yeah. Um, and if you need anything, you can come to me. And so, and that's where even pastoral ministry really starts to step in in a, in a new way. Yeah, I, and I think it just speaks to, yeah, I'm your neighbor. What's going on? I mean, again, I think it's it's the greatest equalizer because we're saying, well, we've also decided to move here and live here. <laughs> um, you also work. We also work. What's your? I mean, it's just it, it's really cool that it that it's our neighbors. And again, I I love that we see Jesus talking about that. You know, to love our neighbors and who is it that it's our who is it that our neighbor is? You know, and for us, it's downstairs over and to the right, (laughs) and we've got a lot of them too because we're in a complex, so it's really cool. So you're you didn't just pick up any mini miny mo. Here's an apartment complex. Let's just move in. Yeah. Um, The apartment management knew what you guys were up to and were on board with with y'all coming in. Talk with me about that relationship and and why they were. Why, why they were on board with y'all yeah. coming in. Yeah, so um, when we were looking for an apartment and really began that prayer process, we were praying for, uh, you know, what the Bible would call a, a person of peace, you know, somebody that's mm-hmm. going to kind of open up their network, their community to you, because what we didn't want was to walk into a community and say, this is what we're about, this is what we're trying to do, to cultivate community, um, and them say, that's not what we do here. We want you to come home, go go inside and not make any noise, right? Like, And there's a lot of communities that are like that. Yeah. We visited a lot of them. <laughs> and, and the thing about this community, the first time that we walked in, uh, we saw like this poster that had like their values and it was all about like building community and, and I can't remember all of them, but I remember reading it and going like, babe, this is it. Like, this is where, this is where we're supposed to live. Um, and we had kind of even formed a little bit of a spiel about like what we would say to the leasing agents when we were meeting them. And, uh, we were kind of like, yeah, so we're trying to cultivate community. We want to know our neighbors, um, and just really be able to do life with people. And, and they, the, the leasing agent literally stopped me and looked me dead in the eye and said, you have to live here. Yeah. And I was like, man, if that's not from God, then I don't, then I'm hard of hearing. So it was, uh, that was pretty cool. And they really have joined with us in so many different ways. They, they, them in and of themselves do a lot 
to build communities. And that's their vision as an apartment, to provide quality services um, to the people who are living here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something they're passionate about. And so what was amazing is we got to come just in under that and say, Mm -hmm. okay, how do we serve? How do we help? There are already things going on that we can just join in with. They have monthly events. They've got all sorts of things that we can just kind of join in with because yeah. that's their goal um, as an apartment. So. Yeah. so what are you all doing in terms of, in practical terms of being on mission in this community? Yeah, so it's funny because some of them are, you know, really clear things that we're always doing and then a lot of it's kind of hard to capture because of what we were talking about earlier, that incarnational ministry of just, it's just happening. Um, but some things that you can expect on our calendar every week that um, we're always looking forward to. Well, one thing that's really cool that we love doing is a family dinner. So on Tuesday nights, we do a family dinner with the people who are part of our um, Sunday gathering, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, and one of the guys on our team came to us with the idea. He said, you know, if we're going to be on mission, and so this goes back to the book I was talking about earlier, the family on mission, that... Um, we would be doing that as a family, that we would be sharing the gospel, we would be out, we would be making disciples, we would, but we would view ourselves as a family, and that's, again, what we see in Scripture, too. Um, and so he was like, we need to be having dinners together. We need to be seeing each other, because, surprisingly, you can live in the same apartment and not see each other. It is possible. And so we said, yes, let's do that. And he wanted to do six nights a week, and we vouched for one. We said, okay, I don't know if we can do six. We would love to get to six one day. But um, he got the idea from a group of people who are doing it. Anyway, so this is a time. It's an hour and a half. We have roles. We can't stay all night. we got to help each other clean. But we rotate houses, and we say, how is your day going? What's going on? Here's some food. And so that's a really cool thing that we do that's helped our team, or not just our team, our, our body of believers. It's helped us to continue to feel like a family. Um, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we do a boys group and a girls group. So uh, Russell and um, one of our teammates, Jordan, leads that. It's a middle, or I guess they're elementary age boys. Mm-hmm. And they read Bible stories and hang out and play games. And that's really cool for so many of these boys who are just outside already and just looking for something to do. Mm-hmm. And so they just love Russell and Jordan and get to hear about the Bible and who God is um, from two grown men who love mm-hmm. God. So that's really cool. And then Lexi and I, my, one of our teammates, lead a um, middle school and high school girls group. Same idea. We read the Bible together. We just we just share Bible stories and talk about who God is and um, how it is relevant to their life now. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we do so one of our, our big things that are doing you can speak about is our Sunday gathering you want to talk about church yeah um, so we do we do house church uh, and we do it a little bit differently it's not like you show up and you sit in a chair and you listen to a person um, preach because because our goal is to take people from having no faith or very you know very young faith and trying to cultivate people that are radically following Jesus and so um, we're not sure that that happens just in learning about the word but in an active discussion and in a way where we hold each other accountable and so um, even before I get to what happens on Sundays we uh, we we do grilling and different events so there there's a lot of like outreach moments where we just go out and try and meet people in organic spaces. One thing that we've been doing uh, throughout the warmer months is we grill out every Sunday. We just come with a whole bunch of food ready to feed any mouth that walks up. And so this has been a non-spiritual, like it's not a scary space for people to step into so that we can uh, feed them. We can cultivate real authentic friendships and uh, and begin to walk with them through life, and so, um, you know, and what you would expect to happen really does happen. It was like, I mean, I remember uh, a young lady that's a part of our church now. It had been several weeks of us grilling, and she sits down. And she says, "Why do you do this?" And and people really do ask that question when you live radically and when you do things that are weird um, and awesome, right? And so. We, I just told her, I said, you know what? God's been so generous with me that I just feel that I need to be generous with others, and that's why I'm here. And she was like, 
that's cool and weird. And yeah. so, but a friendship started, right? And then she, from those moments, we got to invite her into what we do on Sunday nights, which is we gather as a body of, of believers and we eat dinner and we worship and we pray together and we study scripture and, and we encourage each other not just to be readers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And so we challenge each other to go out and live in obedience to what we just read that week. And so um, these are really cool, practical um, steps for people that, honestly, there there is so much cultural Christianity cultural Christianity in our community, right? Living in the South, so many people say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Mm -hmm. But then when you really sit down with them and you open up the word, you recognize that they don't have much of an understanding of who God is, who God says that they are, and what he's asking them to do with their life. And yeah, and so I'm just really excited about the opportunity to do that with people throughout the week. Yeah, and and all of these things that we try to build in are, we just see Jesus in the Bible doing life-on-life discipleship. Formal teaching moments, a lot of informal teaching moments. And that's that's what we believe where life change comes from. If you're over at my house and you're hanging out with me, and again, I don't have an ulterior motive here, I just love you. I, I'm your friend. And me and Russell are talking about something, and you see, wow, Megan got upset there, but you know what? She didn't yell at him. I haven't seen that before. Okay, that's interesting. I'm going to take that in. Like, again, life-on-life discipleship. Mm -hmm. But we need to be doing life-on-life with people who are different than us. Um, and, And there's formal teaching moments, and we have those. And there's lots of informal teaching moments, and... We are still learning. I mean, we have changed so many things since we moved in a year ago. Mm-hmm. We started doing pancakes. Didn't work. It was the morning time. No one came. It was in our home. Okay, let's try something different. Like, And that is hard for me because I'm like, once we say we're going to do something, why are we changing it? <laughs> but God has just said, try it different. Scratch that. Do it again. Um, and that's been really cool. And, and even little things. Um, we do prayer walks a lot. And that is something so easy. And I'm like, why don't why don't we do that more? We gotta even living here, we still are constantly asking God, you know, how do how do we how do we do this? We're still figuring it out. Seriously, we're still living here thinking like, how do we do this? Um, and prayer walks is an easy way. If we just go out and walk, mm-hmm. and we pray for our community, do we really believe that that's where life change happens too? If we're praying for our neighborhood, do, can we change the spiritual atmosphere? And so that was one thing we started doing from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so before we go on to another question, I just want to make sure that we say this. So, like, I'm not trying to preach to anybody, but to anybody that's listening, right? I want them to know that, like, prayer is the foundation for change, Yeah. right? So if people are, like, sitting there and they go, I don't know what to do, I don't want to knock on doors, and I'm not even really very good at talking to people, um, that's okay. Start with prayer. Just walk around your your neighborhood, walk around the streets, you know, do... And just ask God to change that community. Mm-hmm. You know, ask Him to, to reveal to you even where, like, maybe the, the strongholds are. You know, whether that be uh, alcoholism or affairs. I mean, that's Money. happening in all the neighborhoods yes, everywhere. Neighborhood. There are, People are struggling with addiction and lust and, you know, money issues or cancer or whatever it is. And so... Asking God to identify those things to you, and then you can begin to pray for those things to change in the community. And then and then as you begin to learn your neighbor's name slowly but surely, you begin to pray for them by name, right? And this is all across the world, wherever we are seeing movement happen, movement for the gospel. It is always founded in fasting and prayer. And so... Um, it's a beautiful place to start. And that's really where we've been starting. And we spent our first year doing a lot of this. And we're going to keep on doing it because because we see that it's working. And yeah. so okay. um, I think anybody out there will see it work too. Yeah. So what kind of changes are you seeing in the lives of your neighbors? Uh, what kind of changes are you seeing in your own lives? That's a good one. Um, yeah, this is something, again, I was saying earlier that God is just still... Still teaching us so much. I mean, we think we can have it figured out, and we don't. But um, 
we have seen in different, you know, you know, the grilling, boys group, girls group. I think one thing that we're seeing that just kind of excites me is um, exposure to the gospel. So people who may have never been exposed to the gospel are getting exposed to the gospel. And I think that's change that we've that we've seen that is hard to see mm-hmm. as well though. I mean it's not it's not easy to capture, but I think we're seeing people who thought, hmm, I didn't know that that's what Christians believe. Mm. Yeah. Right? So like, oh, I didn't know that's what I mean, I see that so much. People who are like, that's what Christians are like I, I didn't know that um, because that was just their understanding and we're assuming that, you know, they understand who Jesus is and what the gospel is. And so that's that's one of the changes, again, hard to capture. But if I were to look and say, okay, in a year, I think we've seen that. The people who would have not been exposed to the gospel either before are now being exposed to it. Or, you know, Russell's gotten to read the Bible with one of our neighbors before. Um, we've gone through this thing. It's called Stories of Hope. So um, there are different stories about Jesus that teaches about who Jesus is, interactions with Jesus and other people. I mean, again, who knows if that would have ever happened for him, like mm-hmm. being exposed to who Jesus is. And so I think we're seeing that life change. Um, that's one I can speak to for sure. Yeah, I think that, so we've been in here for a little over a year now, and I think that the first year has kind of been the sowing of the seeds. Yeah. And so we're still, yeah. um, I the, think what are we doing? We're, we're still <laughs> looking for the fruit a little bit, but... Um, you know, by God's grace, uh, uh, one of the women that's on our team, a part of our church that has been faithful to sharing yes. the gospel, she's really gifted at it as well, um, shared the gospel with one of her co-workers who also works at Dwell. And uh, th- this was a, this is a young lady that was, you know, just living a, a normal life but had no exposure to Jesus or the gospel. And as she began to to kind of share with her several times of 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 her own testimony and and what it means to follow Jesus i mean this this lady was like I'm, Said yes. she's like i'm all in she's like sign me up yes. i want this jesus and <laughs> yes. so and so she received the lord and um she got baptized a couple yep. weeks later and then now she's become a part of our house church yeah. and so as far as what we've seen change right is i don't know what she was like before i didn't know her before but I'm seeing this young lady become uh, serious about God's word. Yeah. I mean, when we, uh, I'll like briefly mention a passage, you know, during our, our Sunday gathering. And, and I'm like, you don't have to turn there. But she's like, no, I have to. I, I want to know where <laughs> yeah. it is, yeah, it's right? So real to her, it's yeah. so real to her. And then, and then she has a four-year-old daughter. And so we know that that four-year-old daughter's life is mm-hmm. being changed because now she's witnessing yeah. what it looks like to be a part of a faith community. Um, and so, yeah, as far as, as far as that goes for me, that's the biggest life change, right? That is, that is the definition of life change for me. Um, and then for myself in particular, how it's changed me, right? Um, I, it comes at a cost, right? This does come at a cost. There are certain parts of our life. There are certain things that we do because, we just enjoy doing them. Um, and sometimes when God calls you to live uh, intentionally, to live with urgency, and to live faithfully to what he says to do in his word, um, what Jesus says about picking up your cross and following me, you know, when, it, when he talks about the hard parts of following Jesus, um, I, I think he meant it. And when, and when you do it... Um, when I, the suffering that I'm talking about, the suffering that Jesus calls us to, I don't think that you stay in that suffering. The suffering that he calls you to is the willingness that, to step into those new places, right? And so as we transition from one part of our life, when we begin to, to cut out different circles, not, not that we were cutting out friends. We still love those friends, and we, and we do our best to connect to those friends and family members. But um, as we begin to whittle away some of the spaces that we really enjoyed to be able to be more focused on one community. Mm-hmm. It came at a cost. It did, it did hurt and it does hurt still sometimes. But but I also have more joy mm-hmm. and contentment than I've ever had in my entire life yeah. because I'm living in obedience to what God's called me to. And I can't explain it. I probably 
have less and do less of what I would have said I ever wanted to do, but uh, to do or have. But I live with so much more contentment than I would have ever imagined, and so the and I and I know that that can be true for anybody, right? Is that the suffering is the step, but God doesn't just call us to suffer and then sit in this like terrible place forever. When your when your heart and your will begin begins to become aligned with His heart and His will, then you rejoice in the places that you are. Um, and and do you like? I don't know if you get into this spot and like we just get to like live in this joy and contentment forever. That means that God is going to call us again into a new place, and it's going to be hard to step into it. But when we get there, we'll find joy and contentment again. Yeah, and I think he does it every day. It's constantly asking, like, yeah, to, to say, give up that thing on your to-do list. Give up that thing on your schedule to go love someone else. And, mm-hmm. and to speak to how God's changed me, I mean, I feel like I'm just always learning so much and just trying to, yeah, I think the thing right now, sometimes I just can't help but be like, this is what God's teaching me right now, is my life exists to make disciples. To make mm-hmm. disciples. Like if I believe what Jesus that Jesus is who he said he was, and I do, and he's changed my life, and he has, and, and what he commanded and said was, go and make disciples. Wow, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not. But, um... That's what I'm learning right now. Like, that's what my life exists for. So then breaking it down and saying, okay, my life is made up of years, which is made up of months, which is made up of weeks, which is made up of days. And do my days turn into the weeks, turn into the months? Can I say that of those times and say, man, if you look at my time, it's spent making disciples who make disciples. And I, I mean, I was asking myself that last week and saying, no, I got to fix this next week, right? Like, it's a constant, Mm -hmm. like, asking. And... Yeah, so we, we do this thing, right? We're, um, we haven't been doing it as often as we'd like to, but um, there's a, a really wise and godly man that kind of spoke this into me a little while ago, uh, Adam Suter. You know him. He's a, he's a good dude. But he uh, he does like calendar purges. So he'll, he'll pretty much look at his schedule. He'll look at his calendar and he'll just sort of say like, what are the weekly rhythms, the monthly rhythms that yeah. I have and what can go? Like, what is it that is not going to help uh, achieve what God's called me to? What isn't making disciples that makes disciples? And then how do I begin to cut those places out of my life so that I have room to then do what God asks me to do? Um, And this is something that you don't just do once. Like, you have to come back to it. We have to do it every Sunday. I feel like it's every week. It's like, last week, not good. Start over. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a constant thing that we're we're trying to do. And so, I mean, and it's been cool because it's also applied to ministry. Because one thing we learned with our calendar was it was so full that we didn't have space. If someone were to come to me, if a neighbor were to come to me and I were to say, hey, when can you hang out? And I have to go, okay, let me look at my calendar. I can hang out three weeks from now. That's out. Like, no. If I cannot say to them, I want them to be able to say, can you hang out right now? And me be able to have a clear enough schedule to say, huh, yeah, I can. And that was not, that's usually not my way that I fill my, fill my calendar. And so mm-hmm. um, God God moved even our calendars, right, and said, you don't have space here, make space. Make a day where you just have space for people. Um, and I think another thing I was going to say that, that God's changed us in is we can't go back like to doing it how we were. That's one Mm. thing we talk about now. Like even if we don't move into an apartment, wherever we move, we move into a neighborhood, we move wherever, we can't go back. Because that's what God does. Like, And and what I love so much about the Holy Spirit is that it's so gentle in the way that he says, work on this. Like, And it's not a do more, do more. It's a look at what I'm doing in people's lives. Come be a part. Here's Mm -hmm. how you can. And yep. so he takes each of us and says, this is where you need work. And he's still doing that for us every single day. Like, this is where you need to, to, to work. And so, again, I, I think our lives are forever changed, right? Yeah. Um, because we can't go back. Like, wherever we move next, it's like, okay, who are our neighbors? Let's get to know them. Let's love on them. Let, I mean, because that, that's now just, because it comes a part of who you are when we're really, when we're really doing it. And we weren't, I don't, I don't really feel like we were doing it before. 
you know, we've talked about that. We, we were talking about it the other day. We're like, mm-hmm. did we know all of our, did we even know our neighbor's names? Mm-hmm. And it, again, it's just kind of that veil. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even our, our fault necessarily, but once we started looking and once God started convicting and showing, we had to respond. And I think that he will, he, he does that for each of us in our own ways. Okay. One of the things Henry Blackaby says in Experiencing God Yes. Is if you want to be on mission with God, you've got to be willing to make adjustments, yeah. uh, big adjustments in your life. Um, why is this a change more believers need to make? Mm. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I don't want to be harsh. Um, <laughs> That's why he's the, laughing. The, uh, well, the Bible says so. Um <laughs> Well, that, that, that's just one reason, right? Like, um, but the, there's a lot of reasons, right? Like, like there is joy and contentment that comes in this. And maybe it's not what people think, right? Like, sometimes people think, man, I find joy in getting home and enjoying a glass of wine in my house by myself. That's where I find my joy. Or going out to see a movie, going out to eat, like, doing all those things, right? Like, I promise you that whatever it is that you think is bringing you joy and contentment in life, whatever it is that God's calling you to is better. Yeah. It's so much better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when before, the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples, right? And, he, and he's saying, go out and make disciples of all nations. And, uh, is that a yeah. word? Yeah. And so, um, <laughs> I'm ne- I'm never good with like memorizing scriptures <laughs> like, like word for say. word. I'm doing like the message version, right? Um, but Russell version. The Russell version. Um, and so you know that's like the last thing that Jesus is saying to us, and, and which means that it comes with great importance, right? And so I think that I think that Bible believing parents right now do a great job of discipling their kids. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of of really great Christians that that do a tremendous job of raising their kids up in the faith and teaching them to follow uh, the Lord and his teachings. And I want to applaud all of them. I'm not a parent yet, so I don't, I don't know how hard that is, but if it's, if they're giving you as hard a time as I gave my parents, I'm sure that it's not easy. Right. And so, um, but I think that that's just a starting point for us. Like, I think that okay. sometimes we've sort of drawn the line of like, as long as I raise up godly kids, that'll be enough. Um, but that's not really what Jesus is saying to us. He wants us to go out and make disciples of all nations, yes. right? And that starts with, that starts with knocking on the houses right next to you. And I'm, you know, God doesn't call all of us to go move to another country. But he does call all of us to be ambassadors for the gospel, yes. right? To be a, you know, the, what, what's the passage? Man? Yeah, new creation. Yeah, it talks about when, when you become a new creation in Christ, you become an ambassador. And so, and those two things, you can't, you can't divide them. We've tried really hard to. We've tried to, um, to say that I can be a new creation in Christ without being an ambassador for the gospel. But that's just not true. If you are a... If you are a new creation, you are also an ambassador. And so I would say that I don't even know what the question was anymore. <laughs> but here's why the, making adjustments. Yeah, why make adjustments? And, you know, but the thing is, the adjustment is, is that uh, God told you to, right? And it's a part of your identity. It's a part of who yeah, you are. It yeah, lives in good. you. No matter how hard it feels like to you, you're like, I don't know if that lives in me. It does. It yeah. does. All you have to do is become aware of it pray into it and just ask for God to raise it up in you right because because he wants to accomplish that work and he also wants to invite you into that work yeah okay yeah sorry no that's good that's a good word I'm like "Mm." um (laughs) (laughs) my biggest fan (laughs) (laughs) one thing I think of too I was thinking of um one that is so encouraging me and why it's worth it right that's a simple answer it's worth it to make adjustments but one thing I think of I always think about my story and I think about how my life is changed because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think about how my mom's life is changed because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think about how my kids' lives will mm-hmm. be changed because of Jesus. And I think about, yeah, my story, I can't help but think about that because I was thinking about um, just Romans 12. Like, in view of God's mercy, 
offer your lives as living sacrifices mm-hmm. in view of what God has done for us. We should do it. Like, it should just be the response. Like, in view of how good he has been to me and that he He knows me and he cared about my family, cared about my mom. I mean, he just pursues us that we should just offer up our lives. Um, mm-hmm. I, I used to have this worship song that I, I loved. or oh, I guess I still love it. I can't remember the first part, but it says, um, just, I offer devotion. That I can offer devotion to God, mm-hmm. and in view of His mercy, that's what that's what I want to do, and so it's worth it to make adjustments because He has just given us so much. So one thing that we do as a house church uh, every so often, and I guess I try to do it maybe like quarterly or something. Um, you know what the verse that Megan was just talking about in view of God's mercy, right? Like uh, the things that come out of what Christ has done in our own life. And so what happens, what the enemy wants us to do is to forget the radical work that God has done in Mm -hmm. our own hearts, right? And for each of us, there was, there was a turning point, whether you were six or you were 21, whenever God came and intervened in your life, he has done a radical work in your life. And so one thing that we do as a church is we try to remember, we take turns, we take turns going through, this is, this is my story and this is how this is everything that Christ has saved me from yes. and everything that he has saved me for. And so one thing that I think every person can do or should do is is go to their spouse or go to their best friend or go, you know, to the person next door and say, this is what Christ has so done sorry, in my yeah. life so that you can remember and be encouraged by your own story. Mm-hmm. And in light of what God has done in your life, you will begin to see a response like yeah. things will begin to come out of you when you remember what Christ has accomplished. Yes. Okay. So, um, if I'm going to be on mission with God, I know I've got to make big adjustments in my life, or I'm going to miss out on something. Um, I screw up my courage, take a deep breath, I step out, and I do this different thing. And for a year, I'm figuring it out as on the fly, you know, doing this by the seat of my pants. Um, God's at work. God's doing good stuff. God has an opportunity to open a door that would not have been opened otherwise. Megan, tell us about the door that's opened up for you. Yeah, God, I mean, there's a lot of those that I've been so excited about that God's been doing. So we step out. A lot of that included sacrificing jobs um, for Russell. Left the job he was talking about earlier. God provided. Um, for me, I was kind of working multiple jobs so that we could continue to live here. And... Um, just recently, we are super excited that, um, and this is this is part of the fruit you were asking about earlier. What how have we seen people's lives changed? Well, I think they've noticed that we want to be here and we want to love them. And so, um, I'm super excited that I'm going to be taking a job with Dwell to start working for them full time. That's been offered to us by the staff here. It's an already existing position. Again, they're a unique apartment in that they care. Um, about building community among their neighbors. And so this was already a position that existed called a resident advocate where my job is to build social capital, to help build the social capital of my neighbors and to care for them and to show them and educate them on the resources in the community. And so that was not something we expected. You would have told us two years ago, three years ago, I guess now when we were thinking about it, whatever, mm-hmm. the whole story, if you would have said, well, Russell's going to quit the grind, God's <laughs> going to provide, you're going to move in, um, you're not just this, well, this isn't a side thing, we thought, okay, success is knowing at least one of our neighbors before we moved in. That was the bar, okay? If you would have told us, you know a lot of your neighbors, when you drive in, they na- they wave at you and know your name, oh, and then a year in, you're going to start working for the apartment, like, <laughs> We would have died with, laughing. With a job description that says... Do what... Yes, do yes. Mm-hmm. We would have laughed. Mm-hmm. And then we would have cried. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. what we're doing now. Because we're so excited that God's open. I mean, so many other doors. That That's like a... That's a one little nugget in all the things that God's done. Because, again, God is so... And people say this, right? Like, He makes a way. When you say yes, when you surrender, when you are obedient... It is worth it, mm-hmm. and he makes the way. He clears the way, and he puts icing on top and cherries and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's not hard. It is. <laughs> but, it is um, yeah, it's really good. So good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, y'all, for your time. Yeah. It's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Thank Appreciate you for having us. Yeah. And uh, and I do want anybody that's listening um, to just know that uh, 
I, I don't want anybody to feel condemnation, right? I don't want anybody to feel uh, judged. I know that each of us, um, some people's steps, like to take the next step feels really daunting. It feels yeah. really scary. And you look at your life and you say, what can I cut out? What can I sacrifice in order to do it? It all feels necessary. None of it feels extra that can just be, you know, cast aside so that I can live in more radical obedience to Jesus. So I want you guys to know that, like, I know that that's hard. Uh, and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that it's easy, right? And, and, and I just want everybody to know that you, you can do it. It's going to come at a cost. Um, and it wasn't easy for us either. It did come at a cost. And maybe it was easier for us than it would be for you. Um, yeah. But we're going to keep pushing in until it does get really, really, really hard, you know, to say yes one more time, right? But I don't know. I just wanted everybody to walk away feeling uh, not discouraged, but yeah. encouraged. Or not like anybody special, but that yeah. anybody can do it. I mean, yeah. we were sitting at church thinking, what's our deal? So. so you don't have to be specially trained to do this, regular folks? Oh, definitely not. We are very regular folks. We're actually really, <laughs> very regular. This, yeah. I mean, this is something we wrestled through, too, uh, for Russell constantly. Like, why well, didn't go to seminary? I'm like, dude, you don't have to have gone to seminary. Look at the Bible. I didn't go to college. But, know. again, yeah. um, some of the Christian culture has begun to put extra expectations and requirements. Um, but there's, there's also a lot of people saying that, you know, that's not the requirement to be used by God. And so we are very regular folk <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that just ask. I mean, I think that's really where it starts. God, what do you want me to do? If we ask God, he will, he will definitely speak, and then he'll make the way. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. You'll find links to the helpful resources we mentioned in the episode notes on our website, godsrevolution.net. If you have a heart for issues of kingdom justice, please visit our sister website, multiplyjustice.net, which is a clearinghouse for a wide range of justice issues, as well as helpful resources, and also contact information for trusted partners who can help you do justice in whatever arena God is calling you to serve. The God's Revolution podcast is a production of the Multiply Justice Network.